Hey Neve, we've received a really good news lately, haven't we? Hi Ben, yeah, we've got some really, really exciting news. We're actually going on a seismic survey in the North Atlantic. We're going on a boat. Yeah, it'll be a really great opportunity for us to uh, not only do outreach from a scientific cruise, but also to record a podcast at sea. Stay tuned for that because um, it'll be coming soon. Yeah, it's also going to be our first podcast recording in person because we've been stuck doing it on Zoom the whole time. So, I mean, it's a bit extreme that we have to go to the middle of the Arctic to do it in person, but it's going to be worth it for sure. Yeah, people don't know (laughs) that, but we've never met in person, even I. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) And we're going to go spend a month together on a boat. Yeah. (laughs) On a similar vein of doing uh, surveys, we are going to be talking to some geoscientists today about um, mapping the subsurface of onshore island. Rob Doyle from ICRAG and Owen McGrath from GSI are talking to us about the updated Blue Book. That's a complete record of the Carboniferous rocks in Ireland. And we're going to learn a lot about how they did it and how it can help research in industry in the future. This is iCragorama, the podcast about everything Irish geoscience. I'm Ben Kuhlman. And I'm Lee Faulkner. Today, our guests are Rob Dahl from University College Dublin and Owen McGrath from Geological Survey Ireland. Hello. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ben. Hi, Ben. Thanks very much for having us in. It's uh, really looking forward to it. Um, Rob, it's been ages since we last saw each other. We usually work at iCrack together in the same I office. <laughs> I know, Ben. It's, it's, it's so nice to see your face again. And, and Neve, of course. Uh, I don't think I've met Neve before, but it's great to, to talk to you as well. Yeah, it's great to, I think that's the nice thing about doing these podcasts is that, you know, you haven't been able to meet everyone in person, but I've met a lot more people virtually this year than I would have done. So there you go. It's great to have you guys with us. So, um, Rob, tell us a bit about what you're doing at iCrag. What's your position exactly? Yeah, so I've been working in iCrag since January 2016. And um, my main focus has really been on fault modeling, basin modeling on the likes of Vulcan and Leapfrog, specifically looking for areas that have good potential for mineralization, working out how how the, the whole Lachine deposit was actually there in the first place, and then using those models, applying them elsewhere. Yeah, to see if we can sort of find another ore body, I suppose, is the main goal. But yeah, more recently, I suppose, what the whole sort of theme of this um, interview is, is managing the Blue Book Project as well, um, which is kind of my day-to-day job over the last sort of year and a bit now at this stage. Um, so, Owen, you're actually our first guest from the GSI on the podcast. So if you want to just tell us a bit about the Geological Survey of Ireland and their main activities and missions... We basically look after Ireland's natural resources. Um, we do our main programs are mapping, land mapping, so bedrock, quaternary. You know, my role basically is to manage the the delivery of the minerals program within the within the survey, and we kind of see ourselves as the state's geologists and the country's geologists. So, you know, if the government or um, or somebody in public, the public sector needs uh, needs the advice and the input of geologists, they come to geological survey. 
So we do anything from in the mineral sector, anything from historic mines through to um, collation aggregation of data through to internal research that we're that we're doing on on you know deposits on mineral prospectivity and we also fund research and we fund parts of you know we fund parts of iCrag programs parts of other programs part of the blue book and then iCrag fund a, another part of that as well so we've uh, we've quite a, a broad remit which uh, makes it quite interesting and you always get something different to work on so you've both um mentioned the, the blue book and um Rob, you're actually project manager um, for the Blue Book. Could you tell us a bit more about, about your role as that and, um, and you know, sort of give us a summary about the Blue Book itself? Yeah, of course. So I suppose before I mentioned this current version of the Blue Book, there was an original Blue Book um, that was published in 1984. So however many years ago, nearly 30 years ago, 40 years ago, uh, it was called the Lower Carboniferous Lithostratigraphy of the Irish Midlands. That was the formal name given to it, but the book was blue and simply people just started informally calling it the blue book because it was easier than saying it's a proper name. That book, when it when it was released, was kind of like the Bible and to be honest, has been the Bible since it was released right up to recent times on the Carboniferous uh, Stratigraphy of Ireland. I mean, it's still widely used by, by in research and in industry, etc., but, however, I mean, all that time has passed since and a lot of work has been done in areas that there hadn't been work done in previously. So in terms of drill holes, we've got vast amount of, uh, more, more data there. And in terms of papers and reports that have been written, et cetera, is the same. So currently now, I suppose the project is to update the original uh, and, and really include all of that, that, that missing data. There hadn't been the discovery of Lachine or Galmo yet, so all of that data can be incorporated. It, it's, it's sort of thought now that all of the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, has been found, and that in order to find some more decent deposits, we, uh, we're going to need to drill deeper. And drilling deeper means that we need to better understand younger rocks that we're drilling into. And that's the Visayan stratigraphies. Um, which sort of outcrop mainly in the northwest of Ireland, which previously we knew very little about. They were sort of commonly termed the undifferentiated Bizean limestones of Ireland. But now with uh, with recent work being done with, in the GSI and obviously the Blue Book as well, I mean, we can really start to define the units that are going through the Bizean and then from their map, sort of uh, where the faults are going, where the basins are evolving, etc., the the original blue book was written by Mike Philcox, and Mike is a a bit of a legendary figure within Irish geology and, and Irish stratigraphy. He's done so much work over over his his career, and he's still working and still extremely active. And for about the last, I would say, ten years and probably longer, but as long as I've been in the industry, every time you you know you work with Mike and you get Mike in to work on a project, Mike will appear with something from his garden or from his archives, which isn't in the literature or isn't in the, the exploration databases or you haven't seen before. And everybody in the industry was kind of aware that Mike was sitting on this treasure trove of, of data and reports and logs and, and thoughts that he'd had over the last 40 years. And so for the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, I've had numerous conversations with varying people about, you know, Mike comes in, does a job, disappears and someone says, we, somebody should really catalog all that stuff that Mike has. That's that's amazing. We should really put that together. And 
efforts have been made over the past five or six years from you know um, research proposals from kind of ICRAG, from ICRAG predecessors, from companies, from Orem working with um, you know Mark Holstock, who's now Group Eleven, and talking about how could we how could we potentially do this. And it was only kind of maybe was it two years ago, I think, in in sort of twenty nineteen, late twenty nineteen, that we managed to to sit down with ICRAG and and you know ourselves and GSI sat down. We said, look, what can we do about this? Let's come up with an idea and a proposal, and we can each put a little bit of money into it. We can put some time into it, and we can really start to to aggregate what's been done. You know, and initially we were thinking, let's you know let's kind of go and see what Mike has done over the past 40 years that hasn't been published yet. And as we kind of started to delve into it, then we said, well, look, there's, there's a real opportunity here to, to incorporate other people and expertise from across the industry and across academia in Ireland, and to really bring, bring this up to speed with not just the work that, that's been done by Mike in, you know, in the follow-up to his, his um, 1984 publication, but work that's been done by everybody and the work that's done as, as Rob read, referenced in Lachine and Galmoy, an exploration work that's been done, you know, I mean, deep drill holes in the, in Clare, looking at, at deposits there, the work that's been done in Palace Green, the work that's been done, like, you know, all along this, this Rathdowney trend and the new understanding we have of what the, what the Irish Midlands ore field actually is and what it looks like and, and how we understand the, the deposit models there. I'd actually like to play a clip of uh, Mike, as he was invited as a guest on Icragorama, and kind of hear what he had to say about the conception of the, the Blue Book. Well, some years ago, in 1984, I published a, a slim volume on the uh, Irish Carboniferous, well, the um, part of the lower Carboniferous, based on a number of uh, boreholes which were described or contributed by the uh, mining companies for the first time. They got together, having been in competition all the time and being very secretive, and at this conference they agreed to contribute uh, one or two borehole descriptions, and it was my job at that time to do a, a sort of compilation at the end, which I did, and subsequently wrote it up as a booklet, which is generally referred to as the Blue Book. Mike is really underselling it there, I think, um, as, as he always does. I think in the original Blue Book, you might be able to correct me here, Owen, but I would say the, the total holes that were mentioned or referred to are probably about 30, 30 to 40, wow. that kind of number. Um, obviously, they were key drill holes at the time, deep drill holes with sort of the best lithostratigraphical information available. But I mean, we're looking at um, about that many per area, per author's sort of responsible area. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the level of detail that, that that's possible now is, is, is massively increased. And I, I think as well, the, and again, this is something you probably would have to ask Mike, but the level of curation, which, which will be involved in the, the updated version is quite high. So when we, you know, when Rob talks about these 30 or 40 boreholes per area, that's, the 30 or 40 most important boreholes that have been selected by a person who really knows that area inside out. Yeah. So yeah. the volume of what's available in the area and the volume of kind of boreholes that will be in one, in one kind of sense to say behind the scenes supporting these interpretations is, is much higher than what we'll have in the book. But there's over 15,000 in it. 
So that's the the level of repository that we now have accessible to us to to look. Now, not all of those are are in the Carboniferous, but you know that's fifteen thousand exploration holes before you even talk about the the really dense and really high quality drilling that we have in the in the various mining operations. Um, maybe Rob, you can tell us a bit why an update was needed on the Blue Book and um, what are the technological advances that allow you to produce this updated work? I, I don't know if there's a huge amount of technological advances. It's just more so that there's a, just a vast increase in the amount of drill hole data that we have. You know, the drill hole spacing was, was quite spaced. And now you've gotten a huge amount of extra information. I mean, that, you know, you're able to do this sort of more detailed uh, correlative work. So in terms of techno technological advances, there hasn't really been a huge amount. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about seismic, but seismic isn't really a thing that was done back then and still really isn't hugely done in mineral exploration onshore. It would be fantastic if we could get some, but it's just not really done at the minute, probably because it's too expensive. <laughs> it's an interesting general point that you make, Rob, that and I, it's something I hadn't really thought of, that the, the, the tools and techniques for the geological interpretation of mineral exploration haven't really changed in 40, 50, 60 years. And, you know, when, when Ben asks about, you know, improvements in technology, and I can look through the data sets that we have in GSI and see you know, orders of magnitude improvements in the, the levels of geochemical data that we're gathering at the moment through the TELUS project, in the quality of the, the geophysics data that is coming through now, even compared to, to 10 years ago. But when it comes to actually having a geologist go through the, the, the core and look at it, I mean, what, what might be interesting is if you come back to us in 10 years time and say, how has hyperspectral logging and how have, you know, new automated logging tools and, and, you know, new artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques changed how we view large core data sets. Um, I mean, we touched really briefly on the hyperspectral scanning, and I have no clue what that is. <laughs> so, Rob, would you maybe want to um, just talk a bit about what that is and what information it provides? I know you said you, the group won't be using most of it, but just for, for those listeners that, that don't really know much about it. Um, Well, I would probably be one of those listeners if I was listening to this, to be honest. But I, I can tell you, basically, when we started this project, we've basically done what Owen described for the original Blue Book, whereby all the representative drill holes for a particular area were selected. And where possible, we've actually physically got our hands on them or have already been stored in the GSI core store, luckily. And we want to, we hyperspectrally scan them as well as take very high definition photographs. What we have in the system in GSI is we have two cameras which are set up and they're properly lit, properly focused. So what you're getting is consistent data and consistent lights, consistent colors. And you can compare, you can compare individual core trays to the next one and the next one and, and compare across holes. So the two cameras are a high resolution RGB which at the moment, the, our response from industry has been, this is fantastic. Particularly during a pandemic, we can sit at home and more or less kind of log holes. The, the resolution is that good. And then we also have a shortwave infrared camera. Different minerals will be different colors in normal light. Like a galena will be gray and pyrite will be goldy yellow. So in, in an infrared spectrum, they'll have a slightly different appearance. And so some things which look very similar in the visible spectrum will look completely different in the, the short wave. It means then that you can look at 
um, specific variations in mineralogy that you might not be able to see in the visual range. So how do you exactly correlate um, the, the boreholes together? So um, what are your methods? Do you use biostratigraphy or um, any other type of dating? We're looking at mappable units. So things that can be mapped across from one borehole to another. The difficulties come into it where we have a lower density of, of data and we're looking at maybe um, areas which we have quite strong fascist changes in. And that's where a mappable unit might not correspond to a biostratigraphical unit. And if you're in an area where it's difficult to to map units because of a, a lack of data and you start to rely a little bit more on, on biostratigraphy, then you end up with a slightly different product. But you know, the question then is, well, if it's mappable by biostratigraphy and it's not mappable by anything else, should we put it in? And so you, you end up with a lot of kind of subtle decisions to make. And you know, it's, it's easy in some areas where you can very clearly see, okay, this is, this is our ABL, our argillaceous bioclastic limestone. It's a famous stratigraphy in Ireland. Everybody kind of knows it. Everybody knows what it looks like. And this is our Walsortian reef. Everybody in the minerals industry knows what the reef looks like and you know, knows what the contact looks like and knows where we, we should be getting it. And so there are lots of formations which, because they're so extensive, are quite easily and readily mappable. The challenge then comes when you get into areas where we don't have that, that depth of knowledge and we don't have that, that density of data to, to really make the interpretations there. And that's where it turns into a, a proper geological mapping area and a proper interpretation by, by somebody who, who knows what they're talking about. Let's talk a bit about the volume itself. So when do you plan that the Blue Book will be released to the public? So, um, And under what format? Okay, so I'll chat a, bit, a little bit about the format then. The original Blue Book, as mentioned, was countrywide. It was one big study area done by Mike Philcox. So this new version, uh, as a result of all the data availability to us now, as I mentioned previously, it was basic, it's basically impossible for one man to do this by himself. So what we did is we have actually divided the country into 16 areas that are geologically distinct. How we divided these areas, it was kind of initially, literally on a piece of paper like this with the map, drawn lines with with the obviously some expert opinion on whether you know that where we know the faults are we know where the basins go generally so we, we drew lines in a map and they have slightly evolved from then until now but they are relatively similar as Owen said as well previously some have been merged based on an expert opinion saying oh these shouldn't be separate these should be together etc but we have 16 areas now uh, and we have seven different authors Mike Philcox, John Kelly, John Murray, Henry uh, Milner, Shane Lavery, and Marcus Pratt. There the, they are seven authors, lead authors, uh, each of whom have expertise in one or more of the different areas that we've subdivided the country into. So in terms of format, um, each of these chapters um, are going to be available online, digitally on the ICRAG and GSI websites. Uh, they will be fully publicly available. And what you will get as part of a, this package is the chapter itself. You'll get a series of correlative uh, diagrams that have been put together by the authors themselves, with the expert opinions, with all the lithostratigraphical correlations uh, included. 
As mentioned previously, we'll also have all of the representative drill cores that were selected from each of these chapters photographed. So they'll all be av available on IntelliCore software or on the GSI website in the future. So as everyone can quickly say, you know, one of the authors references a drill hole, they go onto IntelliCore, they can see this drill hole and all of its beautiful HD quality and basically see what the author is saying for themselves, describing for themselves. This entire project is freely available to the public. We will also have a sort of a repository of all of the information, the original information used by the authors to write that chapter. So whether they be original logs, reports, maps, uh, references to scientific papers, all the relevant information will be available to the reader there as well. And hopefully at a click of a button. But that's all a work in progress. And we'll that's be a huge amount of work. Which will be the, the final product. Yeah, it is, it is a huge amount of work, but I suppose we're, we're getting there and we're all, we've already made great progress. I mean, the authors have been compiling as they're writing. So it's not a sort of a case of having to do all of that before or afterwards. So it's kind of like a, an iterative, iterative thing. There'll also be a, an interactive viewer that will be available on the, the GSI's website and also a link on the iCRAG website. This will be similar to the GSI's interactive viewer that's already on their website, whereby you can uh, select, deselect layers, make things visible, invisible, etc. In terms of maybe industry and also educational, uh, like what is the kind of the impact, or what what do you guys see as the impact of the Blue Book? So obviously, the, the original one had such a an influence on Irish geology over the past forty years. Like what are, what are you hoping is going to be the sort of the impact of this? I would anticipate and, and hope that pretty much every exploration company in the in the country who's working on a on an Irish Irish deposit model will probably have a couple of these diagrams printed out and blown up and and shown around the office and they'll have them stuck up on the wall. I mean Rob mentioned the viewer, which I think is really important because one of the things we'll be able to do then with with presenting this data in a nice spatial format is you'll be able to integrate it with the rest of the GSI data sets. So this will be able to be, you know, you can plot the blue book holes and you can also show the rest of the holes that GSI has its in, in its archive and you can show which one of those holes so are available in the core store, for example. So you might be able to say, well, here are the, the 20 holes in this area which are important to the blue book. And we also have another 30 or 40 holes which are located in our core stores, either at Sandyford or in Burr. And so you can, you know, as a company, you can straight away say, well, okay, we have the interpretations from the blue book and we also have another 20 or 30 holes, which we can go and look at and start to get our eye in and start to figure out exactly what the geology looks like in this area. And that saves a huge amount of time and potentially a huge amount of money when it comes to, to planning your own exploration program and to understanding where you can get the most value for your money. Really what we're trying to do here is look back at the the enormous volume of exploration work that has been done in Ireland over the past 60 years, let's say, you know, since the kind of, since the 1960s and say, what we really want to do is make as much of this work as avail available in as, as valuable a format as possible for companies so that they don't have to come in and repeat work. And we often see this in, in other jurisdictions where, you know, a company comes in and it does a geochemical or a geophysical survey over an area and it doesn't find anything interesting and the data just ends up kind of disappearing into the ether and 10 years later somebody else comes in and does the exact same thing or potentially 
follows up on the same targets, even though those targets have been drill tested or have been, you know, killed or, you know, somebody has already decided that those aren't particularly interesting targets. And we have that interpretation. We don't have to pay to do the same work again. And that is really, really valuable in, in driving the industry in Ireland and driving it as a, as a, you know, as a viable industry going forward. Definitely. It sounds like it's going to be very useful and also save a lot of time and money for everybody. Yeah. In general, I think research probably advances faster when uh, all the data that everybody collects is made available. So that makes a lot of sense. So I, uh, I think now we, I'd like to start um, talking about, about the Carboniferous um, era, really. And my first question um, will be, why is it that we find large amounts of lead and zinc in Carboniferous strata, and why not in, the, in other strata? Why is it so, what's so special about the Carboniferous that there's lots of um, ore minerals in there? That's probably a two-part question. Um, the first part, and I mean, I know your background is petroleum, Ben, so I'll, yeah. I think that's a really good place to start. And, you know, what are the key things you need to, to get a, an oil or a gas deposit? And mineral deposits are, are similar. You need a source. So you need metals somewhere in the basement. You need, um, you need a pathway. So you need some way for, for those metals to be leached and taken out of the basement and brought up into into younger rocks you need somewhere for those for that um, metal to deposit so you need a a reservoir and you need some some way to stop those those uh, metals just you know arriving straight up to the surface and dispersing so i mean in in um, petroleum terms that would be a, a cap rock it's a chemical barrier acting as a as a cap and you you know you get your your solid metals out of it a lot of it is to do with timing as well and fault activity so we know that Ireland is very rich basement uh, rocks in terms of zinc and various other minerals, but it's when these, these carboniferous faults started to become active. It actually tapped into these basement rocks and, and these convective fluids started flowing. These mineral rich fluids started traveling up the faults. Do the fluids go into the, the, the limestone from the carboniferous because it's, it's very porous and there's a lot of, of faults and fractures because of the not, plastic environment or no 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 not necessarily so you have a fluid coming up it has material in it and that fluid is at a specific you know temperature pressure um geochemistry i mean the way i kind of think of it sometimes and if i explain it to lay people i would say if you look at something like um uzu or perno perno if you're in in france and you get yeah. your little glass and then you put a little bit of water into it and suddenly it goes cloudy and the reason it goes cloudy is because the oils and the, the solids in the perno are soluble in alcohol, but they're insoluble in water. So once you dilute the alcohol, all those solid materials drop out into a suspension. And that's exactly what happens in a mineral deposit. You have a fluid coming up, which is like your perno, it has material in it. And that fluid is at a specific temperature, pressure, um, geochemistry. And that it's quite happy sitting there with you know with your zinc with your lead with your materials in the in the suspension and then it meets a different chemistry and what what usually happens in an irish deposit is it meets a chemistry that has a lot of sulfur and sulfides in it and that sulfide might be generated by bacteria sitting at the base of the of the ocean so that's when we talk about bacteriogenic sulfides so when it meets when those two things meet each other 
the, the chemical conditions change and the metals drop out of solution. And they will drop out of solution in pretty much whatever rock they are, they are in. And they will, you know, if, they're, if there's sufficient volume of them, they don't necessarily need really nice porous rock. So we have situations in Ireland where, you know, the fluids will have come through a really nice, really porous, really open, clean limestone, which, you know, you'd think would be even a nice hydrocarbon reservoir but they don't deposit there because the chemistry hasn't changed. So they go and they go up further up in the sequence until they meet the sulfur and then they go, whoa, sulfur, and they drop out and they will overpower. If they're strong enough, they can overpower the entire um, geology there. So, I mean, this is this whole project is based off Mike Philcox's work and, and there's this apocryphal story about Mike uh, logging core in, in Navan and, you know, getting to a... a a piece of core and it was you know it was a huge amount of ore in it and mike looked at the the ore and said oh this ore is so annoying you can't see the geology because of it and um but it, that's exactly what happens it completely overpowers the geology and you know you, it gets rid of all your your sedimentary structure it gets rid of everything because it just you know it it's just not happy sitting in solution anymore and that's because of the chemical change um, so in terms of, of the geodynamics and the landscape in the Carboniferous, like how did that, like what did the Carboniferous look like? The Irish Carboniferous, Lower Carboniferous, is generally known to be a subtropical environment. It lay just south of the equator, similar sort of area as the Bahamas are nowadays. So in a much nicer sort of place than we are currently. I won that yeah. now. Yeah, so do we all, but sure look, we weren't alive 320 odd million years ago, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the paleo environment of, of, of Ireland at that time. So as a result, obviously, we got a lot of nice, clean limestones. But I suppose the early, early, early Carboniferous is, is kind of characterized by, we see a lot, an awful lot of class, more clastic rocks that are kind of like the, the ends of the old red sandstone era that actually does in some places come into the Lower Carboniferous, where it's widely thought of being Devonian, I suppose. So in the earlier Carboniferous, we get quite a lot of clastic rocks, as mentioned. And then we have a northward version transgression. Obviously, as you as you go north, your 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 clastic rocks are being inundated by sea. But in this in the in the north of the country, we still have those clastic rocks exposed at surface. So it's kind of this diachroneity that that you see from south to north. Uh, through the Tornasian. So as we hit the Visayan, that's when your fault activity started to really to really um, amplify. So you've got this sort of northward verging transgression as well as extensional faulting. So you can imagine that all your sub-basins are starting to form as well as getting inundated. So you get this complex sort of fault, fault basin archi architecture as well as you know, how these in, these basins are being infilled, you know, they're being inundated in other places and they're not so inundated in, in other in different places. So, yeah, the, the Visayan is 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 quite a complex time in terms of in terms of, of, of what I've just been talking about, which is why the kind of the blue book is, is, is going to be invaluable, because that's that's really what we're focusing on. The original blue book we never actually mentioned previously, only focused on the Tornasian rocks of Ireland there just wasn't enough data there to delve into the Visayan. Now that we do, we can also incorporate the Visayan rocks. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, Rob. And um, your description there was of 
the fact that as you get this um, this inundation and this flooding and marine centers spreading from the south to north, you have carbonates being developed in the south, and you still have you know essentially terrestrial sediments in the in the north. And this goes back to what we talked about, Ben, about how do you map things? And you know, so the the let's say let, you know, let's assume you have a basal conglomerate everywhere in the Carboniferous as this you know as these basins start to be filled and at the early stage of the marine transgression, there is going to be a, a massive date difference between when when these conglomerates were deposited from south to north. So if you're going to use biostratigraphy and date sort of the, let's say the top of the, of the basic conglomerate, even though it's a mappable unit, arguably across the whole country, it's not going to be the same date everywhere. There's going to be a huge difference between it in the north and the south. And then once we get further up into the, into the system, we start talking about the actual mineralization and the mineralizing events. You know, as Rob said, it's the Vizane is really important. So, you know, we talk about, um, the base of the reef in the in the kind of general part of the of the ore field as as being really important as being as you know the the host for mineralization, and that that is because it it fits all the timings and it is the it is the you know the unit that is in the right place at the right time, but that unit further north might not be there at the at the right time. It might be you know it might be too late. The this the movement might be finished by the time you get the development of these reefs or it might be too early in some places so this this project is really important to try and tie in those those timings of movements because that's that's what we now understand as being really key to the mineralization whereas you know 30 40 years ago you were looking for a specific horizon because we knew that well the base of the reef is where the mineral is so let's identify where all the reef is and let's you know let's drill to the base of it and see if we get if we get mineral there and that was a that was a really good strategy and it worked really really well to find some you know some really nice big deposits but we've you know we've moved on from that and now we have to kind of look at places where that model is not necessarily what's happening so now i guess we will know a lot about the carboniferous and that's fantastic but do you think we'll ever have a complete exhaustive stratigraphic record of all of irish eras because obviously there's the silurian and the, the devonian and a lot of others so will this work be replicated for the rest of the stratigraphic record in ireland yeah well <laughs> i don't think so uh, at least not in the close future purely because it's too expensive it's difficult work yeah. to do. The Carboniferous is contiguous across Ireland. It is largely undeformed. You know, if you want to look at anything kind of pre-Carboniferous, and actually now we're getting into things of pre-Iapetus, so straight away you've got a massive divide. And whether you're looking at you know Laurentian margin or or um, or Avalonia exactly, and and so you, there's not going to be any continuity really between those. To understand and to look at, let's say, you know, Ordovician volcanics and Ordovician marine sediments across the southeast of Ireland is I think that would be that would be really interesting but I'm not sure whether you will be able to build as robust a stratigraphy given the given the age of those rocks given the the paucity of outcrop that we have given the if you draw a big box around them it's not that big an area of Ireland compared to what we have in Carboniferous. Yeah maybe the the uh, impact for mineral exploration is not that important in the end and also i mean i i hazard a guess every other time period probably doesn't have a, a mike philcox 
that's a, that's a really good point. That's that's, that's a really good true. point. I'm going to use that line. Not every not every era has a Mike Philcox. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. When is it finally going to be published? I don't know All whether right. we. Um, it was it was it was something that we were chatting about whether we release it all as one big finished product or whether it's release or whether we release it as a chapter by chapter basis or as batch chapters so i think what we're going towards now is a series of batch of chapters so we have seven or eight seven chapters completed now that are pretty much ready to go so it's a uh, we're kind of at that stage now where it's fine tuning things getting things ready to be Put on the website there's a lot of sort of preparation work that needs to be done still but yeah i think i think within the next month quarter two of 2021 quarter two there you go okay so that gives you <laughs> april may june i think and that's All sort right. of yeah that would be when we'd we'd hope to have the the first ones out as as rob said it's it's we're at a kind of diminishing return stage now where you know you're spending a lot of time tweaking tiny little things and making sure that yeah. all the fonts are the same size all this kind of stuff and yeah. and really just really just polishing is that the the content is written the authors are more or less done with their their chapters they've handed them in and and gone back to their day jobs so it's you know it's a matter of making sure that you know the colors are all the same the shapes are all the same and all, all this kind of stuff which which rob has done a, a phenomenal job on so far and and i mean the the volume of work that he's put into it is is really exceptional so um Thanks, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. No, I mean it's been it's been great. You've been so easy to work with from our point of view. All right. So I think it's uh, it's really almost all the time we have. So um, I'd like to know a bit from Rob about what are you going to do when this project is over. What am I going to do when this project is over? My life ends. <laughs> no, um, I actually have plans, Ben, to start a research mm -hmm. masters from the first of May. Nice. In iCrag, uh, that will be based on the results of the Blue Book. Right. Uh, specifically, my masters will involve putting together all of the uh, dates that have been taken across the country, and I'm going to specifically aim to create a series of really detailed paleogeographical maps across the country. So, as you really know, through different, fairly you know, million years, I suppose, is the aim what the paleo environment was like through the Carboniferous. I suppose that will be very, very informative for any exploration company coming into the country just to, to get an idea of sort of the rocks that, that, that were there at the time. And I suppose faulting will also come into this. I mean, it has to come into this. At mm -hmm. some stage. Fault based and evolution, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll be focusing on. So it's yeah, a one year master's um, from May this year to May next year. That's amazing. That's also for, for education, it will be uh, really nice to have this paleogeographical -geogra map. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a lot of springboard uh, research will be springboarded from this, I suppose. Um, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be hopefully a big success and look forward to it. That's great, yeah. Rob. I, I didn't know that, but I think that's really, it's really important to kind of to see how this product will be used and, and as yeah. you say, as a, a platform for how people think about the Carboniferous over the next 10 to 20 years. It's, you know, this is really kind of being able to draw a line and say, here's everything up to now, aggregated, put together in a really nice, clean manner. And, and, and now here's an example from Rob of what we should go and do with it. There we go. <laughs> Maybe you're the next Mike Filcox. Uh, mm, that, that, they're big shoes to fill, Ben. <laughs> they're big shoes to fill. 
literally like he's a size 12 no <laughs> how do you know I that? Just I wouldn't just know kidding, that just kidding just kidding um so it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast um I'd like to know where can we reach both of you online? Do you have um, social media accounts or websites people should um, visit to, to get in touch with you? I'm not much of a social media person, but I suppose uh, my email is robert.doyle.icragcenter.org. Um, and what else am I on? I, I also have my profile on the iCrag, iCrag website. So Rob Doyle iCrag should be able to find me. Yeah, um, if you want to look for me just to, you know, go to GSI website, um, gsi.ie. We have GSI Twitter account and my email is own.mcgrath at uh, gsi.ie. I do have a Twitter account. It's Exploration Own. So um, <laughs> keep an eye on that. It's uh, it's mostly geological stuff. So um, yeah, we welcome anybody who, anybody wants to get in touch and has any more questions about, about the Blue Book, then feel free to drop us a line. Great. Thank you. Well, Robin Owen, thank you so much for coming to speak to us today about the Blue Book Project and about yourselves and about all the amazing work that uh, you guys have all been doing together with iCrag and GSI, um, building on uh, Mike Philcox's original Blue Book. It's been great having you uh, talking to us today and um, yeah, best of luck with the rest of the Blue Book and looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Yeah, good luck with your masters, Rob. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and even Ben, thanks very much for having us on. Very enjoyable chat. And yeah, stay tuned, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> thanks very much. It was really great. Bye, everybody. And see you on the next episode of Aikragorama. Bye. 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 Bye.